Welcome to the Greater Church Podcast. We are praying that wherever you find yourself on the journey, that this message will be an encouragement and blessing to you. And now, here's today's message. I'm going to be reading from 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4. And it says, And because of His glory and excellence, He has given us great and precious, everybody say it with me, promises. These are the promises that enable you to share in his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by evil desires. Bajame un poquito, no, no. Over the next few minutes, I want to speak to you from this idea. Promise fulfilled. Promise fulfilled. Would you pray with me one more time? Father, we love you. We thank you, Lord God, for this moment that we can come before your presence As we get into the word, Lord, I pray that you would speak, Lord. Father, a a sermon that is put together by man is not going to do the work that you called called me to do. Um, Father, it needs to be your spirit that draws all men unto repentance, Lord. It's the gospel that saves. As I tell of the good news, Lord God, as I tell of the things that you have prepared for your children, Lord, I pray, Father, that you would do the work in their hearts, Lord. Father, I love you and I thank you. I pray John 3.30 on this first Sunday, Lord God. I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you would let me decrease, that I may increase, that you may increase. Let me decrease, that you may increase, Lord. Let this be all about you, Father. Lord, we love you and we thank you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, Lord. Amen and amen. Come on, would you put your hands together one more time? Hey, Don, you can turn these guys all the way up. Awesome. Hey, y'all. Uh, my um my beautiful daughter who is in in our G kids right now um i have four um three amazing boys i have a, a 20 23 year olds um don't let the baby face fool you um i'm young at heart i identify as a 20 um i have a i have a 23 year old and then i have two 13 year olds they're irish twins tv wasn't working and then i have a seven <laughs> it's like a couple people caught that everybody was like what seven. And then I have a seven-year-old. Now, my seven-year-old, she's like 27. If you know Abigail, um, for some of you, obviously, man, this is the church you call home. Um, You're going to learn a little bit about who Abby is. She's sticky. She loves people. Um, She can't help but talk to you. Uh, Marcus walked in through the door. She's like, oh, my God. She just, I mean, just lovable. Um, I had some promises that I had with her that I wanted to, uh, that I told her. Um, she, She had been on an airplane, but she didn't remember that she had been on an airplane. So you know how kids are. They're like, yo, I've never been on an airplane. I'm like, that's a lie. I took you on an airplane. Do you remember? No, bro. She was two years old. You know when your parents do that? They bring you to this weird uncle and they're like, you remember him? And you're like, no. No. You don't remember? Remember you used to go to his house? No. No. I don't know who that individual is, but God bless you. How are you doing? Nice to meet you. And my daughter, uh, I, I decided, I told her, I'm going to take you on an airplane ride. She was so excited. We decided we're going to go down to Miami to see my, my, my wife's parents who are probably watching online. Horacio, Delia, I love you, mom and dad. Um, and then, so I decided uh, we're going to take her on a trip. And I, I went on a plane. And when she got to the airport, she freaked out. So the whole time, you know when somebody freaks out when they get quiet. Abby's not a quiet individual. So she's the cutest thing in the world. She has her little luggage and she's walking and she's just like, she's holding my hand tighter than I've ever had. Like, I mean, she just, and she's just walking through the airport, like just quiet, just quiet. And as she walks through the airport, I'm like, look, I'm taking pictures of her. I'm like, oh my God, I'm the dumb dad. I'm like, oh my God, stand right there, pose next to the Atlanta sign. I'm that guy. And she's like, so like scared. And then we get to the, to the, to the area and our flight got delayed a little bit. So it was some time to chill. I gave her some food. I paid like $85 for a bag of gum for <laughs> airport is ridiculous. <laughs> 
And then my daughter, she goes and we, we get on the airplane. And when we get on the airplane, I give her my headphones and she has the little, the little screen on my phone and, and she's there on the headphones. And we're sitting, you know, you're sitting on the tarmac. And she turns to me and she's like, she feels the, the plane move as it starts backing up. And when it bumps and she's like, Dad, did we take off? I'm like, no, Abby. No, not yet. You know what I mean? She's nervous. You want to tell what a person's real character is? Put them in pressure situations. Like, that's what I love about this church. They, I don't know how we flipped this thing around in two and a half weeks, but you saw the pressure that came out and you saw the genuineness of people who actually love Jesus. And it just oozed because they were like, I need to tear up carpet. Uh, let's tear it up. I don't care if my fingers bleed. Like, let's go, Jesus. And it was beautiful to watch. So Abby's sitting there next to me. And then, you know, the, the, the plane just goes, every time it bounces, he's like, puppy, are we on the air yet? I'm like, no, we haven't taken off. Like, took off, take off, took off, relax. And then finally we get to the kind of like landing strip. And bro, when we get to the landing strip, when we get to the, to the, to the airline takeoff place and the runway, yo, my daughter, my daughter sits there and the plane goes, and you know, it starts going and bro, her eyes got this big and she looks and I'm like, baby, open the window. And she opens the window and she sees as we take off and it's just like, she's just mesmerized. I mean, it was just the coolest thing to watch. As I thought about that and I was developing this message, um, we were able to get to our destination safely. I mean, it was beautiful. I taught her how to pray before she gets in the plane. We usually put our hand on the side of the plane when we're walking in and we pray, Father, bless this plane, bring it from one side to the other. I taught her all those things. But it was beautiful to watch when she was in the air, how she just like, everything was calm. And then we got to see her grandparents and everything was so exciting. Here's what happens. I think that as believers, Christians, for some of us, maybe you haven't called on the name of Jesus. You, you haven't made Jesus the Lord of your life. You're just trying to figure out what this whole commotion was. You saw something online. You, you drove by and you saw a sign. How many of y'all saw the Facebook ad? Raise your hand if you saw this Facebook ad. Okay, all four and a half of y'all. Um, how many of you guys were invited by somebody? Raise your hand if you were invited by somebody. Okay. How many of y'all drove by and saw the signs and say, hey, I just want to come check this church out? Okay, so what happened was that I, I have my, 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 this whole church thing, regardless of where you are on this journey, um, for some of us, we, we started this thing 20 years ago. For some of us, we're just now learning about Jesus, and there's others that we're still on the fence. We, we don't know what this church is, because when we were young, uh, a person who has a microphone like me did some things that hurt you, and people who didn't have the microphone, but they sat in a seat that was the same seat that they sat in for 85 years, and you sat there, and somebody insulted you. And they gave you a bad view of what church looks like. Where, wherever you are on this journey, a lot of us, we're, we're on this tarmac. And we feel like we're living the fullest life of Jesus. And, and we just feel the bumps. But, but you haven't took off. And you got saved a long time ago. Or maybe recently. And you've been in this space where, man, my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I'm excited. I'm going to heaven. But, man, can I tell you that there's so much more. There's so much more that God wants you to live this big full life. Today, I, I want to talk to you because there are some promises that I believe in scriptures that will enable us to live this full life. I, I opened up the scripture today reading out of first Peter and Peter, as he's speaking about these things, he says, and to, and, and because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises, right? So here's what a promise is because we think a promise is somebody, something that somebody told us they were going to do. And then they never did. That's what we've relegated promises to. Promises are an offer with a guaranteed result, but people have promised us so much. So promises have a weird connotation anywhere. We're just kind of like, eh, I don't know. 
But this is what the promises are. Promises are not just the thing that you receive for yourself. But look at what Peter says. It says these promises are the ones that enable you to share in his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. These promises, keep the scripture up, these promises that we have, they enable you to be able to share in his divine nature. And for so many of us, those of you that call on the name of Jesus in and out the household of faith, we, we, we live these natural lives on our own strength and our own wisdom. When we found out about this church and everything that we were doing a few weeks ago, we, the first thing we did was, yo, we got to fast. We need to pray. We can't use any of man's wisdom. It's not going to work. We've seen way too many churches that have been built on the charisma and the excitement and on the, mo on the on momentum of an individual that we say, God, we need you to be able to help. We want to step out of the natural and step into the supernatural that we may be able to live the promises, enable you to share in his divine nature. Yo, God has called us to live supernatural lives. This is what is our lot as Christians. We're not to be I called on the name of Jesus and then continue to just live a life the way that we decide. But that God has actually given us an empowerment for us to be able to live by way of the Holy Spirit. Because the world is corrupt. That, that's not a political statement. That's something that is real. And I'm not talking about the United States of America. I'm talking about the world. Can I be honest with you? Our, our flesh is corrupt. I know you came in here with your Sunday best, your teeth straight in your mouth. You got your shoes nice. You put your little cologne, your deodorant on. I know you're perfect. Me, I'm a mess. I'm still trying to figure this thing out, man. And I need God to be able to give me his divine nature so that I can escape the world's corruption. I want to live a life that's pleasing to him. And I need his power and I need his divine resources. Come on. If you want God's divine nature, make some noise in this place. Amen. But when it comes to these promises, these promises enable you to live in his divine nature. But what happens, though, is that because of the word promise, if I'm honest with you, and I, I, was, I was sitting here having a conversation with, with Blake, and I, I was, it's sad to watch that even the word dad or father has a negative, con when this is the person that's supposed to instruct you and lift you up, but in the same way promises, they're kind of put together with dad. And for a lot of us, some of us have had incredible dads, but for some of us, we didn't have such incredible dads. And when we hear those words, it's like, uh, promises. What, when are you going to pull out the $7.99 little prayer cloth so I can get my promises? How much do I got to give? What do I have to do? And we don't understand that the scriptures are filled with these promises for you. I, I want to show you something because Joshua in chapter 21, verse 45, it says, not one of the Lord's promises to Israel have failed. Every one was fulfilled. So meaning that God's promises, they never, they never just die. He does what he says he's going to do when it's found in scripture, in this word here. And I'm going to show you just in a second what that means. Um, my boys and Abby was really the one because she runs my household. She was like, she was like, oh, I've never been to Chuck E. Cheese. I'm like, bro, you went to Chuck E. Cheese with Didi. Like you went, you've been to Chuck E. Cheese with everybody. I don't remember. My boys are like, yeah, I don't remember going to Chuck E. Cheese. Yo, my mom used to take you to Chuck E. Cheese like every weekend. That was like her go-to. She didn't have anything else. Chuck E. Cheese, that's it. And would take you over there. But, you know, and then you spend all your money, $45,000, you know what I mean? And then you get like 50,000 tickets and they give you like a, a paper wristband, you know what I'm saying? That's all you get. You got like all these tickets, you put it through the machine and it's like, hey, here's a gum. It's like. But my, my children, they, they didn't believe that I had taken them over and over and over when in reality I have. 
There are so many promises, that, things that you have desperately pleaded with God. Father, I pray that you would give it to me. Lord, I need this in my life. You became to claim scriptures. And then we get to this place. Okay, you know, this is the first time you're meeting me. Let me not be insulting. I get to this place where I'm like, man, God, you're just not going to give this to me. And then I walk away from it. And I stop praying about it. And I stop believing for it. And then all of a sudden, that thing happens in my life. And when it happens, I'm like, oh, well, thank you, God. I appreciate it. But now it's not my source. It's not the thing that I needed to survive. It's actually just a resource that God will give me to continue to move forward. But what he's teaching me in time, I'm explaining that to you, is that he's developing my character. He's doing things inside of me to make me a lot better of a man. But what I want is I want these things to be now. And what we do is that when we receive those promises, if I'm honest with you, we forget about them quickly. Because that car that you prayed for and you, man, Lord, right now you spoke in every tongue. You did everything you could to get it. And now you're like, yo, I hate this car, bro. The window doesn't work. The AC, oh my God, the transmission. Remember that job that you took anointing oil and you put it on the corner of the, in the name of Jesus right now. Let me get this, Lord. We don't even do applications no more. Now we do it online. You prayed for the screen right now. Fingerprints on the screen. Father, give me this job right now. I need, oh, I need that money. But now you want to quit. You, you, you prayed for a spouse. And you say, God, I'm lonely. I just want somebody to read my Bible with. <laughs> there it is. I just want to read my Bible with somebody. I just want to pray. <laughs> but now that that relationship is, is holding you back and keeping you back from God, and that relationship isn't something that you want to be a part of anymore. And God's promises have always been yes and amen, but in our corrupt nature sometimes, we tend to receive these promises, and when we get them and we had enough fun with them, we tend to put them to the side, and then we say, but God, you haven't blessed me. God, you never took me to Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> I want to show you a couple of things that I believe that, that promises will help you. Watch this. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 17 through 18, I'm going to read it in the message version. It says, when God wanted to guarantee his promises, he gave his word. He gave his word. A rock-solid guarantee God can't break his word. And because his word cannot change, the promise is likewise unchangeable. Watch this. He, we, who have ran for our very lives to God, have every reason to grab the promised hope with both hands and never let go. I love the way that the message talks about it because when you grab onto God's hope and you're holding onto it, it's super hard for you to grab depression. It's super hard for you to turn to pornography. It's super hard for you to turn to adultery. When you're grabbing onto these promises, man, it's hard to do it. It's an unbreakable spiritual lifeline reaching past the appearances right to the very presence of God where Jesus is running on ahead of us and has taken up his personal, his permanent post as high priest in the order of Melchizedek. Um, I, I hope you take notes. I want to I tell you three things real quick about promises. Three things about promises. I want you to understand what promises are. Um, this isn't a prosperity message. This isn't a prosperity gospel. I want to show you what the Bible speaks about these promises because over the next four weeks, we're going to go over four core promises that I think every promise in the Bible, it circles around. And it's important that you would understand this because I'm trying to break the stigma of what promises mean in your life. And for you to understand that you can actually grab these things, have them with you, and it will empower you to live the divine nature and be able to escape the world's corruption. Come on, I'm giving you a 
I'm giving you up, down, up, down, left, right, left, right, BA, BA, select, start. 80s baby. Some of the two, tw- the, the millennials are like, who? What? The, oh, I saw that on the Tic Tac. <laughs> Three things you need to know about God's promises. Number one is that you need to know God's promises. You need to know God's promises. First Corinthians chapter seven, verse 19 says, Lord, for the sake of your servant and according to your will, you have done these great things and have made known all these great promises. There are promises that are available to you. And, and you don't have to join a church. You, you don't have to give tithes. Please give your tithes. <laughs> please, please. You don't, you don't have to come to an altar and have somebody push you so you can fall. These promises belong to you, but you need to know them. <laughs> we have a thing in our church that's called SOAP. Scripture, observation, application, and prayer. And what we do is that if you go on the website, greater.church slash soap, S-O-A-P, like a bar of soap, we take the Bible and we read about three to four chapters a day, every single day. That's why it's so important that you get in the word of God, because somebody will manipulate you into you giving a certain amount of money or doing a certain task to be able to earn a promise that they have afforded for you. I don't want a promise that comes from a televangelist. I need promises that come from the scriptures. I need promise that come from God. This is what's going to help me, sustain me. It's not going to walk away from me. It's going to keep me. It's going to be my anchor. I need these things. And they're found in God's word. They're here. That's why it's so important that we read the Bible every single day. So scripture, we read a scripture. And then let me tell you something. I could read four chapters and yo, all four chapters don't speak to me. Go kill him swiftly. Bro, that's not for me. I'm not going to do that. It's not, you know what I mean? Like I didn't, you know, it's no, but there are certain things that I will read the Bible and I'm like, oh, oh, that's good. I like that. You know, you know what that is. And then you tweet it like it's yours. Stop. It's the Bible. You're copywriting the Bible. No, actually, you're supposed to copyright the Bible. Uh, but you'll plagiarize the Bible. Yo, but 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 what happens is that the scripture is filled with so many promises, right? But but if you if you don't begin to dig the word and know these promises, then you're really just living on the tarmac, bouncing. And you haven't gotten to a place where you're starting to take off and actually go to the destination, the purpose that God has placed in your life, right? So, so we scripture, observation, application, and prayer. We read of scripture, we observe it, we write down, oh, this is what I think, this is what's happening in this place. Application, what am I going to do with this that God just gave me? And then we pray and then we write a prayer down. And we do this every single morning because it just helps you to mine out the word of God. Not only to be able to receive promises, but I believe that the promises are the ones that are going to help you to live in the divine nature. So the word of God begins to dwell inside of you and it starts to change you from the inside out. But the promises are so vital in your life. There's a scripture that me and my wife, we didn't know what we were going to do. Six years ago, seven years ago, we were in Miami, Florida. And we felt this itch in our hearts that we were like, yo, we want to start a church. And we didn't know what we were going to do. And we said, God, we, we just need your direction. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 4, 5 and 6. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge the Lord and he will direct your path. It was in acknowledging God and saying, I don't want to hear man's wisdom or man's advice. Even though there is wisdom in the multitude of counsel, I need to fast and pray because I want to hear you. And then God, when I hear you, the addition is trust not on your understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge God. And he will direct your path. So meaning one plus one equals three. These are kingdom keys. That if I acknowledge God, if I focus on it, he's going to direct me. We came to the city. We didn't know what we were going to do. So we did the only thing that we knew when we came to the city five years ago. We know how to clean. We know how to. We Hispanic, a lot of us. So we know how to cook. You know what I mean? Like we did everything we can. And I remember Mayor Tommy Ollygood and, and Wayne Denard, Chief Wayne Denard. These, these two became 
Not only just the mayor of our city, not only just the chief of police, but these two became friends in my life. Why? Because we told them, yo, we'll pick up paper. If you say jump, I'll say how high. Which cliff you want me to jump off of? I got wings. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and we served our city. And we said, this is the best that we can do. Why? Because we learned in scripture that it is better to give than to receive. We based our church on this. We wanted to be missional. We always told people, we're never going to build this church. We're never going to take people to build the church. We're going to take the church to build people. And it's beautiful to watch individuals that have been a part of our church that have gone to different places. They have ministries that I watch on Facebook. And some of y'all that are no longer a part of our church, they have moved and stuff. And I'm sitting there and I'm encouraged. I'm in moments where I feel like killing everybody. And I read your little post that you did your soap and you read your Bible and then you quoted something. And I'm like, oh my God, thank you. Because our hearts and our desires to be able to develop and multiply, that came from the direction of God. These three weeks have been filled with anxiety. If I'm honest with you, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, through prayer and supplication, make your requests known unto the Lord. And the peace of God that surpasses understanding will guard your hearts and your mind. These two things, bro, were going crazy. But I was able to come back to God, okay? So I'm not going to be anxious for nothing, but in everything through prayer and supplication, I'm going to lean into you feel how we were filled in moments of fear when the par carpet wasn't done correctly. And we were like, oh, my God, we got to rip the carpet out on a Friday and it got to be done on a Saturday. How are we going to rehearse? Nunzi, you got to rehearse that abiding. You got to go to another church. Oh, my God, it's the kingdom, which I love. We were like, oh, my God, here it is. Psalm 21, Psalm 27, verse one. The Lord is my salvation. Whom shall I fear? There are moments that the enemy started tormenting us and we didn't know what we were going to do, how we were going to do it. But 1 John chapter 4, verse 4, God is greater who is in me than he who is out in the world. We were able to take scriptures from the Bible like Romans chapter 8, verse 37, that calls us more than conquerors. We were able to grab things out of the scripture that was able, enabling us to be able to live out God's divine nature. There's times in your life, man, where you're going to wonder because your money look funny. Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. My God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches in Christ. These are promises. That when the news is giving you so many bad things, you can turn to a Psalm 103 and say, Bless the Lord, all my soul, and all that is within me, who forgives my sins and heals me of all my disease. That God heals me from my disease. First Peter. Chapter 2, verse 24, quoting Isaiah, says the same thing, that by his stripes, we are healed. That these are promises that are found in scripture. Yo, this is why it's so vital and important that you read the word of God. It's vital every single day that you get into this word. Number one, you need to know the promises. But number two, you need to understand the promises. Because there are things that are happening in your life and you're wondering, why isn't God coming through right now? What's happening? Because I feel like he's so distant and so far. What's happening right now? I want to show you something. Numbers chapter 23 verse 19 said, God is not a man, so he does not lie. He is not a human, so he does not change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act as he ever promised and not carried it through? And for some of us, you're like, yeah, there's some things that I've been asking for and I still haven't got them. I want you to know two things. Number one, God's promises are unconditional. Meaning that anybody can receive those. That your pedigree, how long you've been a Christian, if you are a Christian or not. That there are still promises that God wants to give you. One of the core promises in scripture, and we're going to talk about it next week, is the promise of salvation. And wherever you are on the journey, if you hate God, if you turn around and maybe you served God for a little while and then you walked away from him. If you hate church, you hate people, but there's a promise available to you that God can actually save you. You're not even a Christian. 
But there's promises that are available to you that God actually wants to bless you with. You got to understand the promises. They're unconditional. But can I tell you something? They're, they're conditional. I love my children. And I want to bless them. And everything that I have belongs to them. My shoes, my clothes. I hate when they take my shoes. My everything. Maybe they're not in this room, right? I hate when they take my shoes. But my shoes belong to them. Everything in my bank account belongs to them. It, it's all theirs. But they got to be in the house for me to give them to them. If they, if they leave the house... I can't bless them. If they walk away from, I can't bless them. But if they're in the house, I can give them everything. It belongs to them. In time, I will bless them with everything. Because if I give them things now, I'm going to hurt them more than I am going to bless them. So at the father's appointed time, I'm the father. I get to bless them. I get to bless my children. But they got to be in the house. God's promises, number one, understanding them. They're unconditional, but, but they're also, also they are conditional. I want you to see the, the third thing is that the promises require faith. This thing that you see here, 70% of it, we feel like God has told us what to do. 30% of it, <laughs> we're still freaking out. <laughs> we don't know what's happening. <laughs> it's just like, you, you ever been there? God told you to do something? Like 70% of it, you understand? You know what I'm talking about, Marvin? Like 70%, you know, but then there's this 30% that God's just like, you got to jump, bro. And, and, I, and I love because when you jump and you end up on the other side and you're just like, I'm going to try it up. I'm, a, I'm alive. Oh, that worked. And then you do it again. And you're like, and then you just test God. All right, let's see, Lord, if this is real. And then you do it again and then it, and then it happens again. Why? Because 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20 says that God's promises are yes and amen. So we got to understand this. And then the last one, I want to move from here on understanding God's promises is that God does it on his own time. We want it to be right now, today, at this very moment. But God is not thinking about your very moment right now. God is thinking of developing you. Why? Because he doesn't want you on the tarmac bouncing, thinking that you're in the air. He actually wants you to take off and live this huge life. But we want it right now. Microwave. I don't, I don't want to go to the gas station. I want to put my, my card in. I want to pull it out and I want to take my pump. I don't want your car wash. I don't want to be a part of your membership. I know my PIN number. It's not credit or debit. Now it's like credit or debit. And then when you hit debit, it's like Visa debit or US debit. Bro, give me my gas, bro. I just want gas. Because we want everything right now. But God is in the business of taking it and slow cooking it. He doesn't want McDonald's. He wants that Thanksgiving slow roast. You know what I'm saying? At four in the morning, basting and like super basting and don't touch that. That's what God wants to do in your life. There are times in my life where I'm like, God, I just, just let me be dumb and just give it to me. Like, you know what I'm saying? Just take care of me after that. And he's like, no, bro, I want to slow this down because I want to teach you something. I want you to grow. So number one, you got to know God's promise. Number two, you have to understand God's promises. These are vital in your life. But then number three, you have to pursue God's promises. So these promises that are in scripture, you have to begin to pursue these things. I want to show you something because in Psalms chapter 119, verse 140, it says your promises have been, this is David. He says, your promises have been thoroughly tested and your servant loves them. Here's the picture that we're seeing. David, there are scriptures in the Bible. There are things that God has promised over David's life. And David has actually begun to pursue these things. But then he began to test these things. Yo, let's see if it's true. The next time you're feeling anxious in your heart, there's so many things that you got to do. You know that feeling when you get there on Friday and you're thinking about Monday. And it's just like, oh my gosh, this thing. Or, or when you're in a, you know, you're in a, 
argument with somebody, you know, and you just, you, you do that little circle in your head where you're like, oh my God, I can't stand them. I can't believe they said that. Oh my God. And you come back around. You're like, oh, watch when I, next time I see them, I'm going to tell them this. I should have told them this last time. I'm going to say, look here, this is what you did. And you know, and you go in that little circle. Yo, how about you come back to the scriptures and just test it and just say, hey God, you said that you wouldn't allow for these anxious thoughts to overwhelm me. So God, I'm, I'm going to actually lean on this thing and I'm not going to allow fear to overtake me. What? Test them. Because that's what David said. He says, I have tested them. And then watch this. Psalm 119 verse 148 says, my eyes stay open through the watches of the night that I may meditate on your promises. It's going to take that type of desire, that type of determination to be able to see these things. Imagine if we stayed there watching and anxiously waiting that I didn't just pray for the salvation of a family member, but that I kept praying for the salvation. And even if it's a year, 10 years that I'm still praying, I'm still looking for that promise that says me and my household. And we're still believing these things. Imagine if we had that type of determination. I promise you that it would change everything. This church is going to be based around four promises that I'm going to talk to you right now. Um, not around a dogma or a teaching from a man. We don't want to do what we want to do in this church. We want to build this church according to what God wants to do with this church. So everything that we're going to grab, we're going to grab it from scripture. We're going to try. That's why I'm reading a lot of Bible. Is that okay if I read the Bible? Y'all good with that? Cool. So I stole that from David Higgins. But we're going to take these things and we're going to mine these things out of scripture because we actually want to live and believe these things. This is how we're going to build our church. When you walked in this church, you saw some some value, some vision that was on our walls because we're going to build this church on these four core promises. These core promises were something that God gave to the children of Israel, a set of people that he actually said, I'm going to work in and through you. And in that time, after the promise, they went into slavery. We've watched the Ten Commandments movie, some of my, uh, my seasoned saints. And the other ones, y'all watch Prince of Egypt. You know what I'm saying? We've seen that. And we've seen how the children of Israel, they came out of Egypt and they walked through the Red Sea. And it was like Nemo on one side and Ariel on the other side. We saw this, right? But before that ever happened, before that ever happened, God gave them promises. Every Passover, um, Pastor Chris Hodges from Church of the Highlands, I mean, he has the best teaching on this that has ever happened. I, I steal all stuff because he's the best when it comes to this. But here's what I want you to see. These promises, these promises weren't just for the children of Israel, but they're promises that you see all through scripture even today. This is a pathway that God actually wants you to live by. I want to show you this. Look what the Bible says in Exodus chapter 6, verse 6 through 7. These are promises, four core promises that we can all take hold of. We need to know them. We need to understand them. And then we need to pursue them. And we're going to do this. Can I tell you something? Because people have done this to you and they've lied to you. I promise you an offer with a guaranteed result. I promise you the etymology of that word actually speaks about a guaranteed future. I promise you that if you apply these four promises to your life, if you actually know them, understand them and pursue them, these four promises not only have changed my life, but they've changed my family. I promise you, give me four weeks. Next Sunday, the Sunday after that, give me four weeks. After that four weeks, I might be too loud for you. The worship might be too nice for you. You might just want to go and, and clap your hands somewhere. And I get that. I understand that. I love you. But give me four weeks. And I promise you that on that fourth week, your life is going to be completely different. Because the things that we're going to talk about is going to shape and change everything that you talk. That you're not going to be on a tarmac. You're going to watch yourself take off. You're not even going to recognize yourself on the fifth week. I promise you that. Because it has nothing to do with me. I'm pointing you back to the scripture. And I'm telling God, you do it. And, I, and I've seen him do it over and over and over again. 
Exodus chapter 6, verse 6 through 7. Every Passover, they read these four. These are the, called the four I wills. Every Passover. This is not just communion where we take one cup and we take the little bread. Um, they actually drank four cups. Luke chapter 22, you can actually go in there and see it where they would take four cups. And every time they would take the four cups of wine, um, they would say one of these I wills. Listen to what the Bible says. Exodus chapter 6, verse 6 and 7. Therefore say to the Israelites, I am the Lord and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people. I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of Israel. I'm going to just give you a tease real quick. I'll just give you a tease real quick. Four I wills. He's telling the children of Israel, I'm going to bring you out of Egypt. You don't have to clean yourself up. You don't have to know all the later scripture, Hillsong, Elevation. You don't need to know any of that stuff. I just got to get you out of it. I, just, I need to bring you out of it. You don't got to straighten yourself out. Can I tell you, this is what salvation looks like. Because for so many of us, even today, you were struggling because you're like, yo, I got to get my life right. I got to stop drinking, smoking. I got to stop watching porn. I got to stop sleeping with people. I got to do all these things. And then I could go to church because if I walk in church with all this stuff, a lightning bolt is going to hit me and I'm going to burn the entire place down. But in reality, you're never going to be able to change without the power of God. You need the Holy Spirit living inside of you to be able to make that change. So what the enemy is doing is that he's taking you in a cycle. He's taking you in a cycle where you're sitting there, you're thinking, I got to do better and I got to get better. No, you don't. It's a free gift that has been given to us by grace. It's salvation. And in the South, that salvation is, you know, it's a little different because our grandma's grandma had salvation. I've been going to church forever. You know what I mean? I've been a part of the church. I've given to the church. I've served at the church. And we equate that to salvation. Salvation is not what you do. Salvation is all about the relationship that you have with God. I'm, I'm a... I want to show you something real quick. I want to show you something real quick. Titus chapter 3, verse 3 through 8. It says, it, was not, it wasn't so long ago that we ourselves were stupid and stubborn, dupes of sin, ordered every which way by our glands, going around with a chip on our shoulders, hating and hating back. But when God, our kind and loving Savior, stepped in, he saved us from all that. It was all his doing. He, we had nothing to do with it. He gave us a good path. And as we came out of it, new people washed inside and out by the Holy Spirit. Our Savior Jesus poured out new life so generously. God's gift has restored our relationship with him and given us our lives and given us back our lives. And there's more life to come. Yo, you can take off. An eternity of life. You can count on this. Next Sunday, I'm, I'm asking you as your pastor, if there's somebody that's far from Jesus, somebody that you've been praying for that you're just like, yo, he wild. You know, this person is, I don't know if this person is going to come to Jesus. I'm going to ask you next Sunday to invite him. Because next Sunday, it's a gospel presentation. Super simple. But it's just the gospel. That's what's going to save people. And I'm going to preach this message on salvation, which I believe is one of the core promises that God has given us. It's the promise of salvation, that he will save us. If you're running on the street, and I tackle you and then I say I just saved you your first question is going to be save me from what saved you from an eternal separation from God saved you from a life of misery on this side and on the next but my hope and my desire is that when we present the gospel and people not just hear about Jesus they, they finally see Jesus 
that there will be such a beautiful change that will happen in them. So next Sunday, invite somebody who's far from Jesus. I promise you God's going to do the work. But watch this. So it's the cup of salvation, right? So we want to drink from this cup of salvation. We want our lives to be saved. Promise number one. Promise number two is the promise of deliverance. Promise of deliverance. And what we think sometimes is when we hear the word deliverance is like, I am legion. Ah. And if I'm honest with you, it's been like that a few times at our church. That's not something weird. That's something in scripture. Matthew, Mark chapter 16, verse 15 says that those demons, they have no power and authority, but that God has given you a power and authority as a believer to be able to cast them out. So, and we've seen that. Ha oh, freak them out. What is happening, Chino? You were doing good up until that point. That's scripture, bro. That's not me. That's the Bible. And there's some people that you know, don't look at your spouse, look at me. But you're like, he might have a demon. Can we talk later? Stop. 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 Deliverance, though, a lot of time has little to do with, uh, with the spiritual side. And, and it does. It does. I'm not minimizing that. But sometimes um, the Bible says that I'm going to bring you out of Egypt. And then he says, and I will free you from Egypt. Go back to that scripture real quick. Exodus chapter 6, verse 6 and 7. Therefore say to the Israelites, I am the Lord your God. I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. And then I will free you from being slaves to them. Isn't that the same thing? But it's not. Because one thing is to be brought out of Egypt. And then one thing is to have Egypt brought out of you. And what happens is that 80 to 90% of Christians have called on the name of Jesus. But they mean as heck, bro. Selfish. Some of the most arrogant people that you would meet. Some of the most fearful people that you ever met. That God has to bend and twist your arm to get you to talk to your next door neighbor. To get you just to go and talk to the person in the cubicle. I mean, there's so much stuff inside of you because 80 to 90% of people have not gone through this process of allowing God to heal. Them. Because the rejection that your dad created inside of you, now you feel like everybody else is going to reject you. So you put these walls up and you walk through life as a kid. And they told you they were going to take you to Chuck E. Cheese one time. Two times, three times. After the fourth time, you put this wall up. You're like, I, I don't want to feel that rejection anymore. So as a little kid, you put this wall up. And then you begin to put walls that are thicker and thicker. As you grow up, nobody's going to hurt me anymore. And before you know it, you've given your life to Jesus, but you have so many walls. There's, you're so far. And you're not allowing anybody to come in. But God wants to give you freedom. He wants to deliver you from that. It's a cup that you can drink of deliverance where you can be the real you. Number one is salvation. The first promise. Number two is deliverance. The second promise. Number three is redemption. He wants to redeem you. He wants to bring you back and restore you to something that, and a promise that he had before. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11 through 12, it said, it is, it's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us had designs on us for glorious living part of the overall purpose he is working out in everyone and everything and in everyone everyone in here we got a call there's a purpose that God has placed in you as I counsel people that's probably the number one thing that people tell me I don't know what my calling is I don't know what God wants me to do I don't know what my purpose is God wants to redeem you and he wants to establish you and put you back and put that purpose back on you and show you what that purpose is. That you were supposed to write music, that you were supposed to write a book, that you were supposed to start an orphanage, that you were supposed to start that teenage ministry. But life has a way of kicking these things out of you. But the desire and the hope that I want to do is that I want to show you and I want the scriptures to teach you that God has a purpose in your life. Can I tell you that you'll be better? Because if I had a 1976 Camaro and I probably paid... I don't know. Felipe, what you think? 
1976, maybe. If I restore that bad boy, the more original parts I put in it, the more I actually fix that thing up, it's not worth $2,000. It's probably worth $40,000, $50,000 because the value is so much bigger from the original. Oh my God, God, if you can catch this and understand that God wants you to take off and soar, you don't have to bounce in the tarmac. There's so much more inside of you that God is going to develop and he's going to show you. It's found in scripture. It's the promise of redemption. And then the last one is the, cup of, is the, the, is the promise of fulfillment. He says, I will save you from Israel. I mean, from Egypt. I will free you from them and then I will redeem you. And then he says, and then I will set you around some people. Put you around a group of people. Because there's nothing better in this world than to put your head down on a pillow and know that you did something for somebody else. That you move away from yourself and you start focusing on other people. On our church, we've kind of taken this grow model, this, this Highlands model where we put together and we want you to walk through those four steps. The, the first step is salvation. We call that no God. We want you to know God. The second one, deliverance, we call that we want you to find freedom. And we want you to live in freedom every single day. Number three, where you find your purpose, where you're redeemed, we call that discovering your purpose. And then the last one, what we want to do in your life, the four steps, is that we want the fulfillness, the fulfillness, the fulfillness that God has given you. Yo, we want you to make a difference. You were meant to make a difference. And when you take all four of these things, heard the story of a woman uh, that in Cuba in the early 70s 60s was an absolute wild child uh, grew up in a semi-abusive home with parents that were religious but just mean religious people um, during that time she would find herself out to all type of times in the morning and found herself doing drugs drinking alcohol I mean every drug that you can imagine and found herself a real promiscuous and having relationships with so many different individuals. And this woman, she lived her life that way, reckless. And she had abortion after abortion after abortion after abortion in the double digits of abortion. And she had one child because the doctor told her, you can't have another child. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, I can't abort this child. It's too far along. And she had that child and it was a little girl and the little girl was beautiful. And she kind of slowed down a little bit, but she kept on living that lifestyle. And then it happened. 1980 uh, that she was in a political rally at the school and in a communist country she was rebelling against it and they arrested her when they arrested her they found out that she was pregnant with a child and they told her we're, we're gonna allow for you to go home because you're pregnant and the first thing that she did was try to go get an abortion but when she went to go get the abortion she told him hey again I can't do it you're too far along and the government gave her two options they said either you go to prison and we're gonna sentence you to 33 years or you can jump on the Mariel boat lift in 1980 and leave from Cuba and go to Florida and go to the United States. And so she decided, I'm going to jump on the United States and I'm going to go. And she ended up in Miami and then went up to New York and pregnant with this child in New York. She had it. And um, that's why the Haitian community to me is so near and dear um, because they embraced mom. Just, I love the Haitian community. They embraced her. They took her through a, a journey and allowed for her to get her papers and do all this stuff. And then she ended up in Miami and um, her boyfriend who had left her, his brother was a, a street pharmaceutical. You know what I mean? Wayne, you know what I'm talking about, right? He was in the street pharmacy business. And, uh, and so she traveled putting um, kilos of cocaine on her child. 
and taking from airplane to airplane and city to city to do drug transactions. And around 1995, I'm sorry, 1985, um, she ended up in Miami, Florida, in, in Little Havana, drug infested area. And she decided she was going to walk away from the drug game. And so she went to work from seven o'clock in the morning to about 11 o'clock at night. And um, every single day, this kid would go out to play, five years old, would go out to play in the neighborhood. And by the time he was eight years old, he had already been in gangs and it was a disaster. Kid ended up going to prison. Kid ended up messing his whole life up. Got some really bad charges and was sitting in jail. That woman continued to live her lifestyle. She didn't change. And then it happened that he was able to get out by some miracle of the Lord. And here it is that he had turned his life around, but with the mom, she was still trying to figure it out. And then in 2014, 15, after praying for 30 years, probably 20 years at that point, um, she went to this small little church, little Spanish church, and she gave her life to the Lord. I mean, it was crazy, which was incredible. And then she went through the process of dealing with some of the stuff that she had dealt with. And she started processing that stuff out. And she had psychiatrists that were in her life. But when she began to process it with the word, it gave her different tools. And then she started to preach. Her sister got saved on a phone call and gave her life to the Lord and started serving Jesus. And then not only did her sister get saved, but then she started to continue to go out and tell people. And she was on Facebook. Y'all know them Facebook preachers? I love y'all. Those are my favorite, Facebook preachers. And she would go on Facebook preachers and write this thing. And it was crazy. I prayed for my mom for 20 years. I never saw the evidence. Something changed in her. She didn't come to church with me. But when I saw that change in her, it was evident that she knew God. And then she started the process of dealing with yesterday. She started finding real freedom. And one day she came up to me and she said, so can you baptize me? I want you to see this. A woman who would sit me at a bar in a stool and go and reach for a mug hit an individual that was next to me that was a grown man, a woman who I seen do some atrocious things, a woman that was so involved in witchcraft but that she found God and she began to deal with her stuff she was able to find freedom and then she discovered I got something that I got to share with people and she began to tell people about God and she began to make a difference even today in November my mom went to be with the Lord her a whole lot but man she's still making a difference her story will be forever told from these lips because the God that saved her the God that rescued and freed her 
the God that gave her a purpose, the God that even today is still using her, is the same God that we preach about. It's the same God that can reach you and can rescue you wherever you are. I want to read one last scripture and we're going to get out of here. Listen to what the Bible says. Joshua chapter 25 verse 15. This is my cry to you. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods of your father that served that were on the other side of the river or the God of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I stood on that promise for years. I stood on that promise for decades. And I watched God do the work. There are promises in scripture that are yes and amen and they're available for you. And if you can take anything out of this thing, start mining and digging these things out. Get into your word and start reading it. They're here and they're available for you. Come back over the next four weeks. We're going to talk about the four core promises, but this is so much more important than church attendance. This is so much more important than church membership. It's the word of God. He's going to direct you. He's going to teach you. For some of us who are in this place, as we listen to this, we feel like we're so far from God though. And if we're honest, we're like, yo, I don't even know how to read the Bible. Chino, I haven't even given my life to Jesus. I feel like I'm on the outskirts. The reason that you're here it's probably not even because you wanted to be here because somebody forced you but as you begin to listen that there is a Jesus that he wants to teach you he said to us I want you to go this is our mission go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit and lo I am with you to the ends of the earth I want you to go I want you to teach people and let them know who I am I want you to baptize them I want you to get them free of their yesterday I want you to discover I want to discover I want you to discover their purposes let them learn who they are and I'm going to be with you every step of the way today there's a promise available to you where God wants to save you where he doesn't want you to stay in the same place that you are on a tarmac just bouncing for some of y'all you just got to get on the plane here's a promise fulfilled that he will save you you don't got to have it all right you don't have to know the latest songs you don't have to figure it out in Spanish and Creole like they did a little while ago you, you, you just got to Romans chapter 10 verse 9 you got to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you got to believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead that's how salvation enters our life two simple steps prayer and faith and then God does the work. After he does the work, then you do a little bit of work. But right now, this is the easy part. Would you do me a favor and would you bow your head and close your eyes all over this room? Thanks for listening to our podcast today. The mission of Greater Church is to reach and empower all people. And we hope that this message met you wherever you find yourself on the journey. If God is using this ministry to impact your life, please head to our website at www.greater.church where you can read a message from our pastors, partner with us by giving online, and learn more about what is happening in the life of our church. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and follow us on all social media platforms at My 